0: Story 71 of Household Tales by Brothers Grimm. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dorthe Marina. Household Tales by Brothers Grimm. How Six Men Got On in the World. There was once a man who understood all kinds of arts. He served in war and behaved well and bravely. But when the war was over, he received his dismissal and three farthings for his expenses on the way. Stop, said he, I shall not be content with this. If I can only meet with the right people, the king will yet have to give me all the treasure of the country. Then, full of anger, he went into the forest and saw a man standing therein who had plucked up six trees as if they were blades of corn. He said to him, "'Wilt thou be my servant and go with me?' "'Yes,' he answered, "'but first I will take this little bundle of sticks home to my mother.' And he took one of the trees and wrapped it round the five others, lifted the bundle on his back and carried it away." Then he returned and went with his master, who said, "'We two ought to be able to get through the world very well.' And when they had walked on for a short while, they found a handman who was kneeling, had shouldered his gun, and was about to fire. The master said to him, Handman, what art thou going to shoot?' He answered, Two miles from here, a fly is sitting on the branch of an oak tree, and I want to shoot its left eye out. Oh, come with me, said the man. If we three are together, we certainly ought to be able to get on in the world. The handsman was ready and went with him, and they came to seven windmills whose sails were turning round with great speed, and yet... No wind was blowing either on the right or the left, and no leaf was stirring. Then said the man, I know not what is driving the windmills, not a breath of air is stirring. And he went onwards with his servants, and when they had walked two miles, they saw a man sitting on a tree who was shutting one nostril and blowing out of the other. Good gracious! What are you doing up there? he answered. Two miles from here are seven windmills. Look, I am blowing them till they turn round. Oh, come with me, said the man. If we four are together, we shall carry the whole world before us. Then the blower came down and went with him, and after a while they saw a man who was standing on one leg and had taken off the other and laid it beside him, Then the master said, You have arranged things very comfortably to have a rest. I am a runner, he replied, and to stop myself running far too fast, I have taken off one of my legs, for if I run with both, I go quicker than any birds can fly. Oh, go with me. If we five are together, we shall carry the whole world before us. So he went with them and it was not long before they met a man who wore a cap, but had put it quite on one ear. Then the master said to him, Gracefully, gracefully, don't stick your cap on one ear, you look just like a tomfool. I must not wear it otherwise, said he, for if I set my hat straight, a terrible frost comes on, and all the birds in the air are frozen and drop dead on the ground. Oh, come with me. Said the master, If we Sikhs are together, we can carry the whole world before us. Now the Sikhs came to a town where the king had proclaimed that whosoever ran a race with his daughter and won the victory should be her husband, but whosoever lost it must lose his head. Then the man presented himself and said, I will, however, let my servant run for me. The king replied, Then his life also must be staked, so that his head and thine are both set on the victory. When that was settled and made secure, the man buckled the other leg on the runner and said to him, Now be nimble and help us to win. It was fixed that the one who was first to bring some water from a far distant well was to be the victor. The runner received a pitcher, and the king's daughter won too and they began to run at the same time, but in an instant, when the king's daughter had got very little way, the people who were looking on could see no more of the runner, and it was just as if the wind had whistled by. In a short time he reached the well, filled his pitcher with water, and turned back. Halfway home, however, he was overcome with fatigue, and set his pitcher down, lay down himself, and fell asleep. He had, however, made a pillow of a horse's skull which was lying on the ground in order that he might lie uncomfortably and soon wake up again. In the meantime, the king's daughter, who could also run very well quite as well as any ordinary mortal can, had reached the well and was hurrying back with her pitcher full of water. And when she saw the runner lying there asleep, she was glad and said, My enemy is delivered over into my hands, emptied his pitcher and ran on. And now all would have been lost if by good luck the handsman had not been standing at the top of the castle, and had not seen everything with his sharp eyes. Then, said he, the king's daughter shall still not prevail against us. And he loaded his gun and shot so cleverly that he shot the horse's skull away from under the runner's head, "'without hurting him. "'Then the runner woke, leapt up, "'and saw that his pitcher was empty, "'and that the king's daughter was already far in advance. "'He did not lose heart, however, "'but ran back to the well with his pitcher, "'again drew some water, and was at home again, ten minutes before the king's daughter. "'Behold,' said he, "'I have not bestirred myself till now. "'It did not deserve to be called running before.' But it pained the king, and still more his daughter, that she should be carried off by a common disbanded soldier like that. So they took counsel with each other how to get rid of him and his companions. Then said the king to her, I have thought of a way. Don't be afraid, they shall not come back again. And he said to them, You shall now make merry together, and eat, and drink. And he conducted them to a room which had a floor of iron, and the doors also were of iron, and the windows were guarded with iron bars. There was a table in the room covered with delicious food, and the king said to them, Go in and enjoy yourselves. And when they were inside, he ordered the doors to be shut and bolted. Then he sent for the cook and commanded him to make a fire under the room until the iron became red-hot. This the cook did, and the six who were sitting at table began to feel quite warm, and they thought the heat was caused by the food. But as it became still greater, and they wanted to get out, and found that the doors and windows were bolted, they became aware that the king must have an evil intention, and wanted to suffocate them. "'He shall not succeed, however,' said the one with the cap. "'I will cause a frost to come, before which the fire shall be ashamed and creep away.' "'Then he put his cap on straight, and immediately there came such a frost "'that all heat disappeared, and the food and the dishes began to freeze. "'When an hour or two had passed by, and the king believed that they had perished in the heat,' He had the doors opened to behold them himself. But when the doors were opened, all six were standing there, alive and well, and said that they should very much like to get out to warm themselves, for the very food was fast frozen to the dishes with a cold. Then, full of anger, the king went down to the cook, scolded him, and asked why he had not done what he had been ordered to do. But the cook replied, There is heating up there, just look yourself. Then the king saw that a fierce fire was burning under the iron room, and perceived that there was no getting the better of the six in this way. Again the king considered how to get rid of his unpleasant guests, and caused their chief to be brought, and said, If thou wilt take gold and renounce my daughter, thou shalt have as much as thou wilt. ''Oh yes, Lord King,'' he answered, ''give me as much as my servant can carry, and I will not ask for your daughter.'' On this the king was satisfied, and the other continued, ''In fourteen days I will come and fetch it.'' Thereupon he summoned together all the tailors in the whole kingdom, and they were to sit for fourteen days and sow a sack. And when it was ready, the strong one who could tear up trees had to take it on his back, and go with it to the king. Then said the king, Who can that strong fellow be, who is carrying a bundle of linen on his back that is as big as a house? And he was alarmed, and said, What a lot of gold he can carry away! Then he commanded a ton of gold to be brought. It took sixteen of his strongest men to carry it, but the strong one snatched it up in one hand, put it in his sack, and said, Why don't you bring more at the same time? That hardly covers the bottom. Then, little by little, the king caused all his treasure to be brought thither, and the strong one pushed it into the sack, and still the sack was not half full with it. Bring more, cried he. These few crumbs don't fill it. Then the seven thousand cards with gold had to be gathered together in the whole kingdom. "'and the strong one thrust them, and the oxen harnessed them into his sack. "'I will examine it no longer,' said he, "'but will just take what comes, so long as the sack is but full. "'When all that was in sight, there was still room for a great deal more. "'Then he said, "'I will just make an end of the thing. "'People do sometimes tie up a sack, even when it is not full.' "'So he took it on his back and went away with his comrades.' When the king now saw how one single man was carrying away the entire wealth of the country, he became enraged, and bade his horsemen mount and pursue the six, and ordered them to take the sack away from the strong one. Two regiments speedily overtook the six and called out, "'You are prisoners. Put down the sack with the gold, or you will all be cut to pieces.' "'What say you?' cried the blower. "'That we are prisoners?' "'Rather than that should happen, all of you shall dance about in the air.' And he closed one nostril, and with the other blew on the two regiments. Then they were driven away from each other, and carried into the blue sky over all the mountains, one here, the other there. One sergeant cried for mercy. He had nine wounds, and was a brave fellow who did not deserve ill treatment.' The blower stopped a little, so that he came down without injury, and then the blower said to him, Now go home to thy king, and tell him he had better send some more horsemen, and I will blow them all into the air. When the king was informed of this, he said, Let the rascals go, they have the best of it. Then the six conveyed the riches home, divided it amongst them, and lived in content until their death. End of story 7 to 1